Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Reunion, Part 1, First Love, recorded Sunday, September 12, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. I heard a story about a bank robbery. It might be an urban legend, I don't know, but it's about a man named Lawrence Whipple. And apparently things weren't too peachy at home for him. And so uh, he wanted a way out. He needed a quick out. And so his plan was to permanently move out. And his exit strategy was this. He went into a local bank. He slipped a note across the counter that said, give me all your money. And then they filled the bag with money. And, and uh, in the meantime, somebody alerted the police how they do that in the bank. And uh, he, he took the money. He went to the lobby and he sat down and waited. Well, as you can imagine the police came and of course they scrambled him and they arrested him and and they took him in and of course the first question that they had for him was why in the world would you rob a bank and then wait to be arrested and here was his answer he said I would rather go to prison for bank robbery than live at home another day with that woman now that's terrible that's terrible but that was his exit strategy I'd just rather go to jail now, I love this. When he went before the judge, he faced 36 months in prison. He didn't have a weapon or anything, so it was a lower, uh, it was a lower sentence type bank robbery. But anyway, the judge sentenced him to six months house arrest. That's pretty good. Anyway, marriage can be different than what we think it's going to be. And uh, where you often see that, by the way, is with weddings. I've had several weddings this summer. I've got several scheduled for the fall, and I don't know, it must have been COVID, but a lot of things got backed up, and now we're all really busy. But anyway, well-meaning Christian people will talk to your fiancé or talk to you, and they'll say, uh, you're signing your life away. Do you know what you're getting into? That's the kind of messages that we, that we put out there. And I don't think that's what God intends for marriage to be. I know it's not. As a matter of fact, Jesus quoted from the Old Testament in Mark chapter 6, where he affirmed God's creative intention for marriage. He said, but at the beginning, God created male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one ever separate. And so what God had in mind is a man and a woman, they unite together, and they leave the home of their origins, and they make this oneness pact with each other, this this vow, we call it, that, that would last then for the remainder of their natural lives. Now, prior to that, as you well know, they were united to others. They were united, for instance, to their parents. Or if they'd been out of the home for a while, they were just basically on their own. And they had relationships with important people in their life. Their unity was with them, but not in this manner. But whether we know it or not, when we get married, it kind of starts out like a wheelbarrow. We kind of start out bringing this wheelbarrow full of bricks, so to speak, with us in, into the relationship. And what I mean by that is these, we, we bring these things that come, for instance, from our family of origins, like the way we communicate or don't, uh, how angry we might be or not, Um, not so much, probably a little bit, Uh, how we view things like sexuality and whatever that looks like, Um, our communication patterns, if we have any, Uh, 
you know, all kinds of things that we bring into a relationship. And, and sometimes we bring what comes from previous relationships, right? So we might have some brokenness that comes from a, a past dating situation or a marriage even. And, and so we have all of this stuff we bring into relationship. And, and, and the only way in my mind that we can be right with the person in the manner that lasts for the rest of our lives is if we let God rebuild us so that we can rebuild our relationship, we can reunite with someone in the right way so that we can start taking away the things that bring brokenness in our lives and in our marriages. And so the starting point for us to understand this is to, is to go back to the origin of love. And, and, and love in its origin is found in none other than the one who created you, in the God of the universe who made you especially the way he made you. And he calls us to bring, to leave some things behind. He actually wants us to have a priority. And our priority is to have a first love relationship with him. Because when Christ is first in your life, life sorts out pretty nicely. But when Christ takes this, or God takes a secondary or a, a no-level, you have a no-level approach to God in your life, you're in for some trouble. It's just as simple as that. And so what he does is he calls us, God, when he's first in our life, he calls us to leave some things behind. To leave some things behind. Now, what are we going to leave behind? Well, there's probably going to be a few things. But I know, for instance, that we are to leave behind this concept of this is my life. This is my life and mine alone. But we live in a day and age when we are told this is my life, that I'm supposed to live for me. I mean, think about it. You get up in the morning and you got his and her sinks. Don't mess with my sink. Don't mess with my toothpaste, right? You got that going on. You go to your coffee maker if it's a Keurig. This is my blend. Who took my blend, you know? You get in your car and, and, and you push a button that supposedly makes the setting for your seat in the vehicle. Uh, you go to work and you have your workspace. Uh, you watch TV at night and you go to Netflix and you have your personal profile with a little picture on it that's just for you. Uh, you go to bed and you push a button that gives you your sleep number. Don't mess with that, Right? So we are like conditioned to live for me. And it's never been easier to be more about me than we. Me time isn't supposed to be more important than we time, but it becomes more important. And so one of the things that's going to happen if, if we're really going to do this thing right with, with other people, especially with married relationships, is we have to move away from the me and come closer to the we concept that God created us for. Now, here's a second thing that we leave behind, and I'm going to call it fathers and mothers, but it's more about all other relationships that could take priority in our life other than our God and our spouse. We are physically and emotionally to put our spouse in the first human position of our life and then mommy and daddy and others, your hunting buddy, your BFF, they take a different position on the, on the priority pyramid, so to speak. 
Kyle Eileman, the preacher, tells a story about the first time he took his future wife home. They were both in college. He usually, when he went home, he took his laundry home for his mom to do it, the good old days. And when it was time for him to leave, you know, his mom said, this is the first time his girlfriend ever been to their home. She said, oh, Kyle, don't forget your laundry. And she came out with a basket, and, and it was nicely folded. Remember those days? It's nicely folded in the basket. And on top was like a stack of whitey tidy underwear, like stacked up on top. So said, thanks, Mom. Appreciate it. Kind of embarrassing. Takes the basket, puts it in the backseat of the car behind his wife, and they take off and kind of forget about it. Well, he had to make a hard stop. And the clothes like flew up towards the front seat and all the whitey tidies like flew all over her. She like had underwear on her head, you know. It was just like this, 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 this catastrophe of underwear. And anyway, his future wife turned him and Riley said, she said, that's what you get for letting your mommy do your laundry. Mama's boys, that's for you. Everybody else will just, you know. But this first love confusion can happen with parents, it can happen with friends, it can happen with children. You know, you start having kids, and, fr- and you know how it is. Man, those kids come into your life, and man, they take over because they need a lot from us. They need us day after day, minute after minute for about, for some of you, about 40 years. It should be about 20, but it's about 40 for some of you. But anyway, that becomes the priority. And then what happens is your spouse gets pushed to the rear. This, this first love confusion that happens. And so somehow you've got to be willing, and this is, I think, a process. And it's one that happens over and over again. You have to reset this so that other things don't get in the way of the two of you being first relationship priority. And you're going to have to do some things over the course of your marriage to make sure that that continues to happen. Here's another thing that we have to leave behind, and I don't know if it's as much of a leave behind, but it's about priorities, and it is time and pursuit. Time and pursuit. So the Bible says, it's like, it's like the, the most basic statement about marriage in the Scriptures, because Jesus is the one who made it, made it so. And it, it tells us that we are to leave and be united, uh, the older word, like the Old Testament, uh, excuse me, the, the King James word of that is to cleave, to leave and cleave. That means to pursue. It means to grab a hold of this person and to never let go. I, I mean, do you remember when, if you were married, do you remember when you were dating how, you know, before you got married, like your life became pretty much this whole, I don't know, process of pursuing her or him. Like, like, you know, guys, you actually took showers more often to make sure that you were presentable. And, and, and you did things that were really out of your character. Like you went to, to certain gatherings and concerts and stuff like that because she wanted to go. You did those kinds of things. Ladies, I mean, it became you made him his favorite meal. And you did stuff like that because you were showing priority. Showing priority. And I know what happens when this kind of a message comes up. You're sitting there and you're thinking, exactly. I hope she hears this. I hope he, he hears this part because he's not doing that stuff anymore. But being united means two people intentionally come together. 
And, and that's something that you yourself has to, has to struggle with. Our relationship with Jesus is how we learn how to love each other. The most impactful way to pursue intimacy with another person is to understand how God pursues us and how we pursue God. Because here's the mistake that we all tend to make. Our mistake is to focus, I'm talking about the human realm, we focus on our emotional health. We focus on our physical health and our physical well-being and our physical desires and needs. We, we focus on our, you know, on our relational stuff. And, oh, I need someone to relate to me in a manner that, that feeds me and helps me. Not that any of that's bad, but what we tend to do is put spiritual matters on the back burner. And so we make these choices about marriage, and they have to do with physical stuff, like, yeah, she's good looking. He's a handsome man. I'm attracted to that person. And then we, we also say, how do they make me feel? Like when I'm with them, how do, what do they do? They, bring, they make me feel alive, you know? They're, he's funny. She's, she's, she's interesting. She's, she's, you know, whatever it is. We do that. And one of the last questions people tend to ask is, where are they with God? What is their relationship like with God himself? What is it like? And hey, you can have a decent marriage and meet the emotional and physical needs of each other, but you will never have a supernatural marriage unless you are pursuing Jesus yourself. One of the things I like about rhythms that Taylor introduced earlier is that it's a way for you to continue to have a strong and active relationship with God. And I don't think it's going to take you much time, but it's going to help you keep God at the center of your life. And I started doing it last week as far as going through the steps, and I like it. It takes very little time, but it does help you to keep your focus where it needs to be. So I challenge you to, get, to give it a try. And so to be united with your spouse, it begins with and continues in an attitude of reordering your life and leaving some things behind. And that means that God's first in the pyramid of life. It's God, and then it's your spouse, and then everybody else falls in accordingly to what needs to happen for your life to be complete with God and each other. So what are we uniting to when we leave and we unite? Quite simply... We are uniting to the kind of love that God calls us to. The kind of love that God wants to create in our life. And so what does that look like? And all of this, as you will probably figure out pretty quickly, all of this is shown to us by none other than God himself. So it's first of all a love that is unselfish. It's a love that brings humility to the table as the core basis of how it operates. It's not demanding. It's not controlling. It's not like, do you know who I am? Do you know what I deserve? No, no one talks to me that way. It's not that kind of thing. It's an unselfish humility that, that tears down walls. That's what it does. And again, it's a lifestyle. It's not something that you just do and then that's it. There is no hack for humility. It's just hard. In Philippians 2, it talks about the kind of humility that God shows us 
by his own sacrifice for us. The kind of love that never looks down on others. The kind of love that puts himself in the secondary place for our purposes. It never asks, does, does he know how good he's got it? It never asks, doesn't she know she hit the lottery when she met me? In marriage, it begins by asking the question, how did I get so lucky? And what is it about her that she could love me? It takes a different level of maturity to be there. Now, now, by the way, I don't know why I put sermons like this on the schedule because generally speaking, I'm sitting like at a coffee shop or somewhere with, with our Sunday morning experience team and we're thinking of topics and, and it's like, oh, we should talk about marriage. You know, it's important. And so, yeah, we schedule it like a year out. And I always forget that that means that here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start writing these sermons and God's going to say, hey, there's a brick. Hey, you forgot about that one. Hey, have you been talking to Jackie about this failure in your life? Uh, what are you going to deal with that? That's what happens to me. And so I'm just warning you, when we talk about this topic, and I hope that you'll stick with it, there are going to be some things that surface. And that's a good thing. Because it lets you and God work through those things. But it takes humility. You're not going to get through these things. You're not going to start taking things off the table unless you're willing to put yourself in a secondary role with that other person. For, you know, I, I was thinking about this this week. This is one of those bricks, right? So when we were dating, I would write Jackie. This was back in the, I'm not going to tell you when, it's a long time ago. We, I would write her, it was 40 years ago. We had our 40th anniversary last month, 40 years ago. Yeah, 42 years ago. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's a miracle. She's a, she's a miraculous woman. Let's just put it that way. How could anyone, you know, how could, you're, you're asking the same question. Anyway, I would write her these elaborate love notes. Now, for those of you who are a little younger than me, notes mean, doesn't mean like this. That's not a note. That's a, no, that's not a note. A note is like a piece of paper, paper, white, brown, some color, green, I don't know, pen, you know, pen, ink pen, writing a note with words, with letters. And I would write her these elaborate love notes that had like illustrations because I can draw a little bit. So I'd draw these elaborate pictures of her and me and wedding cakes and goofy crazy stuff like that, completely embarrassing stuff that you will never see. And, and besides, you're not my scrunchums, boo-boo, honey bunch anyway, so you have to deal with that. And by the way, I never use that kind of language in those, I hope, in those letters. But anyway, I would do that for her. If it was a card, it would be like real fancy, cryptic letters, you know, because I have pretty good penmanship, believe it or not. Now, I realized when I was writing this message this week, I thought, man, what, what did my 40th anniversary card look like for my beautiful wife of 40 years, Jackie? And then I thought, I think it said some nice things that somebody from Hallmark said or wherever, shoebox, or I didn't want to offend anybody, whatever. And then it said, love you. Now, I do love you. Make no mistake about it. But something can get lost as time goes forward. And you know, here's the thing. Humility is hard to come by. 
And if the only examples I have of my humility are 40 years old, there's something wrong with that. That's not good. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And you show that by how you treat each other and the type of things that you do for each other. And if you want to know how to break down a wall, become a servant. Become nothing. Take the the third spot in life. God, you, and them. But it goes God, them, and you. That's how you do it. Love that's unselfish, that's humble. Love that's undeserved. Because grace is undeserved. We love like God loves. And by the way, the way he loved us, undeserved. It's not because we deserve. He didn't do for you what he did for you because you earned it. You didn't earn it. He did it because he loves you, period. He's unselfish and it's undeserved. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 talks about how God sees us, how we should treat each other. Ephesians 4, 29, verses 29 through 32, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. See the humility in that? That it may benefit them, those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then listen to this. He says, this is like relational stuff. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, brawling would be like, you know, the desire to really go after it with each other all the time, kind of like some of you do when you're arguing with your wife or husband, slander along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. I mean, here's how many of us respond to each other when we're hurt. We say, well, you did that to me, now I'm going to do this to you. Or we're like, well, you said that, now let me zing you. That, that's oftentimes how we do this. But all that does, every time we communicate that way, every time we use those methods, all it does is build another, put another brick in the wall. And so how many of us respond that way when we're hurt? Like anger, brawling, rage, you know, the things that, didn't sound very good in that whole scenario. And you know that it's, it's, it's a challenge for us. How do you know you're not offering grace when the words are bitter, when they're controlling, when they're angry, when they're, we're full of brawling, meaning that we're sparring back and forth and you got to win before you feel good about yourself? Because the Scripture says, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speak. So here's what it says in Ephesians 4 too. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. And when we do that, again, we're starting to take off the bricks that ruin our intimacy. There's a book by Marcus Buckingham. It's called The One Thing You Need to Know. And in this book, there was a study on marriage of, of couples who had made it at least 20 years. And, uh, and so they were trying to find the common denominator for those who succeeded. And, and so they, they did all kinds of, of, of studying, but here's what they figured out. The husband and the wife who are making it rate their spouse more positively than themselves. 
Now, we have a word for that. It's called delusional. They call it something else. Positive illusions, benevolent distortions. In other words, they're saying it is true, love is blind. Now, how do you get to that point? They say you find the most generous explanation for the other person's behavior, and then you believe it. Now, my friends Josh and Parker here call it believing the best about them. So if you see a spark of compassion, you call it a forest fire. And if they do something kind of nice for you, you can consider it an elaborate gift. And, and really, honestly, nobody should be better at this than Jesus' people, than Christ's followers, because that's how he treats us. And we are ever increasingly becoming like him because we follow him. And, and I think you probably understand this about Jesus if you're one of his kids. But when you came to Jesus, he didn't just forgive you of your sins and then just clean the slate and say, okay, that's it. No, the scripture says you are credited with righteousness. You know what that means? It means he continues to see the best about you and to try to bring you into that reality yourself. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to become like him in extravagant love, and, and it's undeserved, and, and it's, it's crazy how God loves us that way, but he does. And he wants us to do that for each other. And it's another kind of love. It's a committed love. Commitment is what tears down the walls. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about the kind of commitment that God has for you. And here's what it says. This is verse 27. Who shall separate us? from the love of Christ? It's kind of a rhetorical question. And then he throws all these things out there. And then, by the way, the people he wrote this letter to, they were facing these kinds of things, including the writer, the author of these words. What will separate us from God's love? Will trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, there is no wall that can separate us from God's love because he is so unselfish and it's so undeserved. And yet there's nothing he says that will keep us from him. I asked you at the beginning of this message, how do you tear down the wall? How do you build intimacy? And the answer is, you begin with a first love approach to the relationship that you have, or maybe a relationship you'll have in the future of your life. And that is, you say, God, you first, and I will love accordingly. My commitment is to made to God to love, and then I let him teach me throughout the course of life what it means to focus on that and to live it out. And, and I have a great teacher. His name is Jesus. And when Christ is first in my life, this stuff all gets sorted out. I've seen many, many examples of this in the course of my ministry over the years. As you know, over the last year, we've experienced some truly difficult 
demanding challenges that people have faced. There's some, you probably know of some of these experiences yourself, but, but I've seen things in the last year and a half I thought I'd never see. I have friends who lost their parents both to COVID, and for the last several days or weeks of their life, they were separate. They had been married for 70 years. They, they shared in the same vocation for those 70 years. They, one of them told me they hadn't been apart for more than one day of their life for 70 years. Every day. And then COVID hit, and they got separated. And what I saw in that couple is that their love could not allow them to be separate. They even died within a few days of each other. I visited with both of them before their death, and they both said the same thing to me in different words, and I can't quote them because they were just personal conversations, but I know that these, this was expressed to me. Each one of them on their own said, for better or for worse, until death do us part. They took a vow that they had made in the 50s. They lived it out until the end of days. Now, to me, that's a miracle. It's a miracle wrought by their first love. Both believers, both faithful Christian people who said every day, day after day, we're just going to keep doing this. And when this happens, as hard as it is, day after day, we're going to keep doing this. And Lord, this is what you show us. And this is what you continue to impress on us that this is the kind of love you have for us. And truly, I know this about myself. I'm at my best when I'm being like you and when I am humbling myself, becoming obedient to a second place status with my spouse and with others and letting you rewrite my story, letting you reunite me with the people in my life I love the most. As we commune today, Lord, we're grateful and thankful to you for being that kind of God for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What commonly happens when these topics are brought up, wherever they're brought up, whether it's in church or whether it's at your kitchen table or when you're texting each other, it again, it's this opportunity for these to start return. And it takes all the power of God for you to continue to reset the wall so that it doesn't keep you from being the kind of person you need to be for the sake of the rest of us. And most importantly, to honor the God who loves you so much. Now, uh, we're going to do something kind of special, I think, on October 10th. 
Uh, first of all, it's child dedication weekend. We do this every couple, a couple times a year where families can come and dedicate themselves to the raising of their children as they honor God with that process. So if you have infants or little ones and want to have dedication, you've never done that before, then that would be a weekend for you to do that. So it's really a great weekend, and, and I hope you'll take advantage of it. You can register, register at our website or, or on our app, and there's a place called events where you can do that, and I hope you will. Another thing we're offering on that day is a special time for you to make a vow. And who knows what that means to you, if anything. But uh, a vow, as you probably know, is when you say, you first. I'm going to put you in the place where you deserve. And so uh, for you, it might be that you need to reestablish something with God because that's gotten lost somehow. For you, it might be a renewal with your spouse because now you see the priority of God and your spouse in your life again, and you're reminded of that. But the most important relationships in our life can only be whole when we get off this me first belief in life and we understand the we approach that God made us for. And so I want to encourage you as we go forward to continue to seek out God and, and in your relationships with others, humble yourself, make yourself available to be God's agent for good for those who need your love. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10.15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.